This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. No my Harry Mike here at Tanakway Free of him 89.0 independent community media I'm Bruce Scott with Mel Driscoll and our guests through the afternoon coming up we'll take a look we'll follow on from that interesting BBC program on um, Bloody Sunday we're going to play the number one song this day in 1972 50 years ago today but uh, breaking news, Prime Minister Jacinda Ardern has had a COVID-19 PCR test and is self-isolating after being confirmed as a close contact of a COVID case. Also in um, self-isolation is uh, the Governor-General Cindy Kiro. A spokesman said Ardern remained asymptomatic this morning and continued to get well. Results of the test are expected later Today or early Monday, there's been a fire at a um, Bunnings place, a Bunnings, no sorry, it's Mitre 10, sorry, Mitre 10 out of Tarapa, there's a fire there out there this morning and uh, it was uh, quickly put out, so those are a couple of the headlines of the morning, it was quite a surprise. And another thing, yesterday it was revealed that 8,000 people who attended the music festival out at uh, Mystery Creek out in Kaipagi may have to test. So I hope all these young people who congregated out at Mystery Creek will be tested and we just got to get over this and get tested and see who is because this COVID variant, Omicron, it may not be serious as Delta, but it is more infectious. So people, the young people of the Waikato, if you're out there at Mystery Creek, at the music festival, Sound Splash, go and get tested today. I don't know if any of the testing stations are open in Hamilton this afternoon. Just go and get tested, please. And I've had my booster shot this week. And I've just heard that it's about to take two weeks to um, come in. But I'm, I'm happy it's all over. No more needles for a while. So just be careful out there. And I'm sad to say... I think we're going to see the end of a bit of nightlife in Hamilton. The place was a ghost town last night. No one is coming out. The misinformation. People don't realise that at Red you can go out. We are not in lockdown. Please help save our nightlife here in Hamilton. Friday and Saturday nights, it was dead. And maybe some of our nightclubs are not going to survive. So please get out there. Take your masks Take your COVID cards, etc., etc., and just get out there. Well, following on from on January 30, 1972, in Derry, Northern Ireland, on a day that became known as Bloody Sunday, British paratroopers shot dead 13 civilians on London Derry's bogside, which was originally underwater. Became known as Bloody Sunday after the infamous 1905 massacre of Russian workers. And one UK, four weeks this day in 1972, it began life as an advertising jingle. I'd like to build the world a home and furnish it with love. Grow apple trees and 
89.0 independent community media the new seekers led by lynn paul and eve graham 50 years ago today that was number one based on the coca-cola commercial of the time i'd like to teach the world to sing in perfect harmony well there was no harmony when uh, the british paratroopers shot dead 13 civilians in Derry this day 50 years ago good afternoon mel a black day and new and um history yes indeed it's bloody sunday and we remember it today well how are you today mel well it's the holiday spirit but it's all overshadowed by covid i'm afraid yeah we're gonna find out of course the prime minister's in isolation at the moment that uh, that shocked a few people today against all odds hamilton's founders theater still stands its ground a monument to how citizens set aside their own funds for a major structure to celebrate Hamilton's heritage. And one of our listeners is Neil Kirgenvin, who has a profession which gives certain insight into buildings, their structure, and that, I suggest, is why his opinions are worthy of respect. I think we spoke to Neil sometime last year, Mel. We did indeed, And hello, Neil, how are we? We're good this afternoon, and how are you guys down there? Well, this saga of the founder said is going on and on and on. Um, when is it ever going to end? Yes, I know. We seem to think that the same. But, yes, yeah, since 2016, when some report said that it should be closed and the council closed it, that time just seems to drift by. And I've been probably pretty busy in it in the last three years, and I turn around and think, where's that three years gone? But hopefully within the next three years, we'll have an answer. Hopefully within the next three months. 
the, oh, three months. the city council <laughs> may stay proceedings in the drift towards demolition. Do you fear it still? Um, we don't. The group I read was Toti, and um, we're quietly confident that we're putting our ducks in a row for our approach or to the council at the end of March, which will show them that not only can we um, pay to get the place refurbished and remodelled to become a town hall with a lot more community, um, but we can put forward a plan going forward so that it can sustain itself and not be a burden on the ratepayers as are some of the other projects around town like Cousins and one or two others. Neil, it's election year. Are you going to make this an election issue? It'll be an election issue because it's still on the table from the last election. <laughs> as a residential design consultant, would you go so far as to agree with they who say... Look at it. It's unsightly. The structure of the founders is a building from outside. It, uh, yeah, my background in period housing and historic aspects of residential design and some um, commercial buildings leads me, along with others, to say it does actually have a heritage value in its design. The type of modernistic design that it was done. It's not a feature of a historic building, but then what's a historic building? Anything that passes 50 years? I mean, you could have a building or a heritage building that needs to be kept. You know, some buildings have their own character. The character of this one is what it's been used for. A community building, the number of people that have gone through there for graduations, that have gone there for entertainment, that's part of the fabric of the heritage and history of founders. And that's what we're fighting to keep. Mm. Well, talking about heritage, Sir Howard Morrison, the late Sir Howard Morrison, recorded his TV special of the founders. We all watched that with how great thou art. That's right. Hayley Western record, recorded part of parts of an album in the Founders Theatre with the uh, Royal Scots Dragoon Guards. Mm. I saw Andy Stewart there in 1966. Yeah, um, Louis Armstrong played there. Yes, and I keep being reminded by Councillor Martin Gallagher that he was there that night in short pants. Uh, Martin reminds me every once in a while. So, yep, no, we've all seen, we've all seen shows oh, there. Well, thanks. I'll keep that in mind, and Martin can turn up for the refurbishing opening in short pants too. <laughs> Martin, I hope you're not listening. <laughs> so, yeah, from yours, the, the challenge is out there, to Martin. Isn't it? it is. But yes, he he is one of the well, the supporters around the table that can see the value of keeping it. And one of the things that I want to put out to the people taking the opportunity that you've given us today is that we, whilst we're dealing with one or two so-called big players, the whole essential going forward with founders is getting it back to grassroots, getting it back to community groups using it, community groups having the facilities that they can afford to use it. And um, so if there's community groups out there that are wondering where they're going to go for their next meeting or something, we'd like to hear from them so that we can say, well, look, this is how we're modelling the refurbishing of founders. You know, yes, it'll have a gallery. Yes, it'll have a theatre. What have you got that you might like us to include? Because we're at that stage where we're really confident that we can, we've got enough behind us to be able to go forward. But to carry on going forward, we want to make sure that we're not just going to refurbish it and then everyone's going to run away from it. And so 
we want the community groups to have a stake in it and, and to have a hand in it. And I'd like to hear from them. And um, can I give them my mobile? Yes, go for it. 027-244-1348. I'll repeat it for anyone that's got a pencil writing it down. It's in a community group that would like to not necessarily get involved, but show that they would have an opportunity to come to Founders. It's 27 244-1348. Neil, I, I, Neil, I'm beginning to wonder whether, whether with having former Mayor Ma, uh, Margaret Evans on board, that is some, some of the in the council are frightened of Margaret, what she can do and what support she has got. Well, yes, you only have to look around the town what Toti's put in place. You know, the statue outside the museum, the horse over at Memorial Park and the recent Dame Hilda Ross in Garden Place. And it's still standing there and I go past it every once in a while and give her a wave because she's waved, she, she's holding yes, her glasses and there. Yep. And so what, what we're saying is that you know, this group have got their heart in making sure that they're putting new stuff in but there's old stuff there that needs to be retained. Well, to talk about things that have been retained, do you know where and how the condition of the statue of John, uh, sorry, Charles Fane Hamilton is after it was unceremoniously dug out of Garden Place. Do you know what? No, of... no, it's boxed up, hidden away from by the council. I think some I'm, things no, are. We're not. We're not. We we haven't got involved in 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 that. That's. I mean, there will be controversy in statues, like, just like there's controversy in why they want to keep the old Founders Theatre, <laughs> but. The controversy is not why they want to keep it, it's what we can do with it going forward to make it useful. Some things are hidden away as if it's not mm. fit for the public to know about mm. it. But in other cases, and it's all too difficult to attract the public's interest because it may be a, a less spectacular scheme. Thinking especially of that historic house, Hocken House. What can you yes. tell us of that? Well, I've got a quite a bit of involvement in Hocken House. It's the, it was built in the 1890s for the surgeons at the hospital, mm -hmm. and it lasted as a surgeon's residence until 1939. And then it sat around the hospital grounds as a nurse's home, as an administration building, as a typing pool, until the mid to late 60s when they decided that they didn't want anything to do with it, and so they were going to demolish it. It was hadn't had any attention to it. It showed signs of bore and neglect. And the Waikato Historical Society had an active president at the time, Mr Frisk, who was involved in the building industry, and they convinced council, and it wasn't an easy job, that A, it should be saved, and B, the opportunity to put it on Graham Park, which is right next door to the hospital off uh, Selwyn Street, and there it sits, and it's been sitting there and operating as a pioneer museum since uh, 1979. And we're now going through the process with council as to how, can, how we can make sure that it stays on that site. It's a pity, it's, it's a pity too, that um, we couldn't save the nurses' chapel, which was unceremoniously destroyed when uh, the Henry Bennett Centre was constructed. That's right. And the other one, which is a crying shame, is the actual first hospital building, Aitken, Aitken House, which is parked amongst the heritage buildings at Mystery Creek and unceremoniously sitting there with work that is required to be done on it, but with all respect and, and 
to the people for Mystery Creek, heritage houses is not their activity. It's ag days and their park. And so we need some something in the community that's going to be able to pick these sorts of things up. And we'll hopefully we'll lead the way with founders. Hopefully we'll lead we'll follow on with Hock and House, and maybe get together a a building interest in these sorts of places, which gives me another call. What we need to do, and I'm a little bit long in the tooth for this, and so I'd like to hear from someone that's not quite so long, is social media. If there's a student or person out there that would like to work with me and the other groups that I'm with on the social media presentation of history and heritage in Hamilton, and I'd like to hear from them. So you could give them that number, 27 Yep, no, I, I've been thinking a long time when I, when I look at my hometown of Cambridge and how they look after their heritage. This uh, city has lost a lot of its heritage in the last 20 years I've lived here. Yeah, well, my old hometown's Whanganui and, and it's becoming, I mean, it always was a heritage town, but at least they're staying there, you know, they're putting the work in to keep it as that and their current project is to refurbish the um, native uh, court where the the Maori Land Court, which was the first established in the countryside, and it sits on a side of the land, section of land beside Motua Gardens. And whilst it's not derelict, it's got a lot of work to bring it back to right. And and the people down there are doing that. And and talking about courts, we've got the old district court. Just it's been sitting there empty for I don't know how many years now, and uh, they come around the cost. I think the Hamilton City Council were looking into it, but. Uh, It'll be, it'll be many more councils before they finally sort out what they're going to do with the old courthouse. Well, yeah, 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 some of these buildings, <clears throat> we have to look at who, who actually own, you know, the ownership of it and what we can do to work with those sorts of groups to be able to um, maintain and refurbish them and make them useful. That's why Hocken House, it's pretty easy because it's the Waikato Historical Society. Anyone can join that, come along and find out about the history of Hamilton and the Waikato and get involved. Um, some places are more privately owned and a little bit more difficult to actually get in and do what you like to do. Um, you know, like the Station Master's House, which the council does own, which is leased to residents that's up in Hamilton Gardens. You know, that's another one which would be an ideal centre for model railway place, and you could reenact the railways in, in the railway station house. Mm-hmm. And, of course, if you get the Founders Theatre going again, would it be possible for such as our um, operatic groups to perform there on stage if it was if all goes to plan? That, that's the, well, it's, it'll be a community hall. There'll be an opportunity for groups that don't have a hall facility to put on items. And this is where I'm talking over the next month before we make our presentation to council with ethnic groups to see what they want and how they could benefit by it. We've also got a meeting this coming Thursday, actually, with one or two of the leaders of the um, community Waikato Creative Waitaka, that, that network of people, to say, look, here's the facility. What you know, Youth was a big group when they were looking about a decade ago, or when they did a survey back in 2016, what, what should happen to it. Youth wanted some say in it. Well, you know, put your hand up, give me a ring, and we can work with you. Is there a bottleneck getting buildings admitted as historic? 
in a register that carries some well, clout. Well, the, the council's got to register, and this, well, COVID's created a bit of an issue in that they can't actually, or they haven't been able to travel around the town as freely as they'd like to identify these buildings and walk onto sites and be able to say, look, this is what we'd like to help you do. Um, there is, a, there is a, an inventory of heritage buildings which the council are currently working on updating and if you got in touch with the heritage section of the council, they would be able to give you some further uh, information on that one. The Historical Society are working with them to say, yes, we support that as a heritage building. You know, there are some that, for want of a better term, um, are past their use-by date. You know, some places do go off being a, his, a heritage building. But more importantly, there are some of the newer, you know, stuff that was built in the 60s, 70s and even the 80s that should be registered to make sure that in the long, in the long term it is kept. It's, <clears throat> it seems the fate of the founders is in that category of buildings um, going off. Um, <clears throat> not if we can show that the community need it. And, 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 and you know, there are groups that... Um, need meeting rooms. There'll be meeting rooms available. There'll be um, the there's there's a plan for what we call the west wing because it is the um, changing rooms on the western side of Founders. There's two floors there, which will be with, with our intention at the moment, and that's why we'd like to know who's going to use them. Community offices, where um, organisations that have got a small committee that need to have a secretary that needs a base, not in their own home and things like that, they can use that facility that we will be providing there. There'll be workshop areas for those, like you say, the Operatic Society, they want to use it, they need checks to be built, there'll be a space on the eastern side for that sort of thing, so they'll be able to, weeks before, come in, build their sets, have them ready. Well, one one thing, the council has just um, set up a fund to um, buy some artworks so they can put some of the artworks in the founders all over the place. So, oh yeah, that, yeah. Well, I mean, there will be galleries. The the main stage area, which caused the problem with the lifting of the curtains and all that sort of thing, that area is designed to be um, restructured so that it is um, earthquake proof, and will create four or five floors where galleries and display space and that sort of stuff will be available. As for, well as the main foyer area, which currently is a big gallery. For the record, is it your understanding, Neil, that the building was never condemned in the sense of being earthquake prone? Oh, the, 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 the record, the, the 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 reviews that I had done, and I have had others do with engineering knowledge. I've got some engineering knowledge, but only up to residential structure. But what was put forward to the council? didn't actually require the building to be closed. One of the things with not just council buildings but a lot of buildings is lack of maintenance. And the maintenance schedule went out the door years ago for founders and as some people will tell me, oh, the last time we sat there we held buckets because the roof leaked. And, and of course our refurbishing program is taking into account the cost of putting whatever what we what we will identify as the required earthquake strengthening and together putting in a roof that won't leak basic basic if it's to be preserved but a council that goes the demolition way might be one that calculates that the longer that lapses 
since it was closed, the less likely it is to be reinstated. That's why we've got till the 31st of March. That's what we're working on now. As I say, we've got meetings this coming Thursday with um, interested groups, and if any others want to get involved with me, I'd like to hear from them. We've also got meetings with a couple of people who, I won't say have got deep pockets, but would benefit financially from founders being retained and could use it accordingly. A man in the centre of negotiations that may end with the survival of the founders longer than the council expected. Neil, we're going to play a song from a band who did perform at the Founders Theatre. That's coming up in a couple of seconds. Yep. Have have a good day, my friend. Okay, thank you for the opportunity. And fight fight the good fight. Right. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Neil Kirchman. Well... Among the artists who appeared at the Founders Theatre, there was the Scottish comedian Sir Billy Connolly, there was The Seekers, Bill and Boyd, there was Paper Lace, Glenn Campbell, Split Ends, Sir Howard Morrison, and many, many more. And the new Seekers, whom I played earlier, were there too. So this is the new Seekers. Look what they've done to my soul. What they done to my song Well it's the only thing that I could do half right And it's turning out all wrong Look what they've done to my song Wish I could find a good book to live in
Look what they've done to my song, Ma, the Melanie Safka song, sung by the New Seekers. Yes, one of the bands to appear in the 70s at the Founders Theatre. Who are we speaking to next, Mel? Patrick Cummings, who's retired. Well, <laughs> retired is a relative term, as we'll discover. This time, 11 years ago, you arrived 20 kilometres east of Toowoomba in Helidon to help Australian Red Cross set up a relief centre for flood victims. How did you get involved in that particular enterprise, Patrick, all those years ago? Hey, Melvin. Um, what happened was that the, the floods in Australia, in Queensland, were the largest ever seen at that time in Australia. They were equivalent to the size of France and Germany. And it rained and rained and rained from Boxing Day on. I think it was, it was dreadful. It even went down as far as Brisbane. And New Zealand Red Cross was asked to help, and we didn't have many volunteers who were able to do that at that time. That's since been changed as well. It's playing, but so they they asked staff to go, and I led the first staff team of four of us to go over and help wherever we could, because Australian Red Cross had been calling on their volunteers from all over Australia, and they were getting burned out because it was going on for so long. So we arrived in Brisbane and were sent up to Halidon, where the people from Grantham had been self-evacuated. Grantham got hit by the flood coming down off the hills of Toowoomba, and several people died, and the town was half the town was washed away, and the people re-evacuated to a hall in Halidon, which escaped the flooding, and we went there to find families in this big hall set up little um, communities, I suppose you'd call them, around the inside of the hall, draped with sheets and that for some form of privacy. There were toilets for showers, mobile showers arrived the day that we arrived, and we slept in the hall with them until they were able to go back in to Grantham, but that wasn't for some time because the army had to search the properties for missing people. No, no. Sorry? Go, go ahead. And one of them was even found in in Brisbane, washed down the river 85 kilometres away. It was um, horrendous at the time. I think 85 people died, which shows you the extent of the flooding. And I was taken on a visit to Grantham to, when the police talked to the people who were allowed back, to tell them what they would find and what they could find because the place had been searched and cleared of bodies and people wanted to get back to their properties and make sure they were safe because there was no one in the town because they'd all been evacuated. And it was just horrendous. For the, I saw a house, a brick house, the only thing left were the foundations, which was a concrete pad. Everything had gone. Even you know the pipes that stick up out of the concrete foundations Everything had been washed away. That speaks of such force of water, Patrick. Have we seen Colossal. similar floods in, ever in New Zealand, do you think? Uh, not for so long. We, we've had lots of flooding, obviously. Well, I don't think we've ever had any with the, the numbers of casualties. But normally it doesn't go on for such a long time. The one in Brisbane, uh, in Queensland, went on for over a month. And it was because the ground was so tight, the water just flowed. And I remember seeing a picture of a tugboat in, in Brisbane Harbour 
trying to steer a pontoon that had been broken away from the shore, trying to steer it under a bridge, because otherwise it would have taken the bridge out. This, this, so, this, this tragedy was caused by the collapse of a quarry wall. I'm just uh, here looking at, um, just looking at um, on Google, I'm just seeing some of the pictures, and there's a book called Meet the Little Queensland Town at Moved, Grantham Reborn. Have you read that yet? No, I haven't. I've seen another one on the flood and Grantham as a part of that, but I haven't seen the one that you're talking about, no. No, it's, uh, I'm just looking at a bit from the Brisbane Times, um, 2020, so... Um... You may not have seen Heligan in its pristine condition ever. No, uh, Grantham. Uh, no, well, my wife and I have got uh, family living in Brisbane, so we went over, obviously we go but frequently, but um, well, we used to, and we went up to see what had happened to Grantham, and it's a completely different town because half of it was washed away, and they weren't allowed to rebuild on the flat because it was a flood zone. Well, nature is not kind to towns. Remember the uh, cyclone at uh, Cyclone Tracy that went through Darwin on Christmas Day? Yes, they've, yes, re- I've they've, that. they've rebuilt Darwin, of course. And is yes. Gr- how is Grantham today? Uh, I think it's just like any other small Australian town. It's not very far out of Brisbane. It's only about probably an hour and a half, if that. It's in the main dividing range, we understand. Yes. And what it is... used to be sort of on the main road almost, but they've changed the road, but it's on the way to Toowoomba. And what's the lie of that land for those who haven't seen it themselves, that part of Australia? Um, most of it's fairly flat, but then it goes up into the hills, and Toowoomba's up in the hills. Toowoomba's famous for a very famous private school that John Eels and several other Australian... I was going to call them all, but Australian <laughs> Wallabies have been to an exclusive school. But Toowoomba is famous for its cold, cooler temperature than Brisbane, and it's a, a smallish city, but the water certainly came rushing down off the hills. Well, tw- 12 people died, and this is how it was described by children. Evil, swirling, chocolate milkshake. That's what how the children described it. Yeah. I remember speaking to one little 10-year-old boy who had seen his best friend perish in the disaster because they, they were, there was no time to go. People were washed away sitting in the car and the cars were all washed towards the bridge that the railway line went over. Was it was a frightening experience for them. Was there a state of emergency call? Because that brings uh, local civil defence to work alongside you and um, others. Yes. Well, we had the um, the state governor at the time, I remember her, arriving in a helicopter. I mean, it, it was a surreal situation. The flooding was there, yes. We didn't actually see so much of the flooding because where we arrived, it had sort of been and gone. But where we were, we were in this hall. There was a little town of Halidon. There was a big field outside the hall. Helicopters were coming and going. You could drive down the road about about five k's, I think, to Grantham. But it was like nothing had happened except people were living with what they had managed to get and were in this hall. And as I said, the showers arrived the day we did. Before that, there'd been nothing. They'd taken some animals, dogs and, you know, pets, 
and they were kept outside the yeah. hall in a special area. There were children. I mean, it was just, it was a mind-blowing experience in the sense of yeah. it was something like we hadn't seen before. Could yeah. we could we compare this flood to the floods that hit Whakatane and Bay of Plenty and also Edgecombe? Uh, I only saw those from the media. Mm-hmm. But I would think, yes, we could, except the ones in Queensland would have covered an area, I would think, half the size of the North Island. That, that's the, that was the size of France and Germany together. So it was a massive area of flooding. So all that... It wasn't localised. All that, 11 years ago... And I came back and was giving a talk to people at Red Cross about what we'd done and what we'd seen and... And then my phone went off as a text, and it was my equivalent in Christchurch. So, well, that was a big one. And that, of course, was 12.51 on the Tuesday, on, and that was the Christchurch earthquake. So yes. it went from one disaster to another. Coincidence, we can suppose. We don't hear much of the Red Cross these days. Have they, have, has, have they been taken over by other rescue agencies um, no, still very independent. Uh, as a result of the Christchurch earthquake, Red, New Zealand Red Cross was given a lot of money from the Japanese Red Cross, who of course see many disasters in their country, and they gave us money to build up our response organisation. And we've got vehicles and trained volunteers that we didn't have at the time of the Christchurch earthquake. Mm-hmm. And then now called out regularly in conjunction with civil defence. They don't ever go to anything unless they're invited, shall we say. And then they, they help out, like in Christchurch, they were going door to door with people from Salvation Army and others. While working... On welfare of people, etc. While working with Red Cross, you could never know when you might be called upon at short notice, passport... Of course. Hmm? I mean, going back just a couple of years ago... Red Cross was asked to assist the first people who came out of Wuhan and they were in um, camper vans that were set up at Whangapura at um, Army Bay and they isolated them there because no one knew what was going to happen but they were kept there for two weeks I think and volunteers went up and assisted and wore full PPE gear and kept them separate from everyone else. In countries like Iraq and Iran, you've got an equivalent called the Red Crescent. Yes. The Red Crescent is exactly the same as Red Cross, except the the Muslim societies don't recognise the cross, so they have a crescent. A practical so arrangement. Worldwide, the world's largest humanitarian organisation. It's a practical compromise or arrangement, one could say, that doesn't heed the work that's going on. No, and it's constantly going on. I mean, disasters never stop. Red Cross, for example, looks after uh, refugees, former refugees who arrive in New Zealand and helps them get established into the community. It would be so easy when you retired officially from Red Cross uh, to divorce yourself completely from concerns of that kind that had been your livelihood, your career, and... One may say your good fortune to be placed in positions where you could be of practical help to people calling on Red Cross. 
Did you feel tempted to just leave it all behind? Uh, no, I'm, I'd like to think that I could have, but um, I just keep going back to it. I've been 24 years as a staff member, and after a couple of years I decided I wanted to get back involved in the New on Wheels, which is a voluntary part of Red Cross, and am on the National Board of Red Cross, as a volunteer, but it's just it gets into your blood, and it's, it's as I said, the biggest organisation in the world, and I've been fortunate to be involved with it for a long time. And in that happening, you are an example of someone who uses their experience in an international organisation, one that's intending to cope with anything affecting people's welfare and safety, to become committed as a volunteer through Rotary. How does that happen? Uh, I've been in Rotary for 26 years, I think it is. But the um, the project that we're doing at the moment, and it arose from seeing the people in Afghanistan trying to get out at the airport, and I'm sure everyone's seen the, the media coverage yeah. of people queuing up to get on planes. There was a New Zealand plane there. And... I felt there was some, we, Rotary and Hamilton could do something to assist because we knew that probably at that stage some of those evacuees would be coming to Hamilton because there is an, an existing Afghani community in Hamilton. Mm-hmm. So we decided to, you know, where could we practically help? And it was, we knew... The houses are provided by the government. The furniture is provided by the government. Organisations like Red Cross are enlisted to provide people support. In in the Waikato Waikato Refugee Forum is contracted to support the former Afghani evacuees. And we thought we could help provide the cutlery, the crockery, the blankets, the linen, the pillows, the cushions, the things that make up a home because they're not provided by anyone else. Yep. And um, so we organised a group that have got has got buy-in from all the Hamilton Rotary Clubs and we're dealing with our third family which arrives this week and we're expecting that up to 34 families will be coming to Hamilton over the course of the next 12 months and there could even be more because we know that there are at least another thousand people in Afghanistan who want to come but at the moment can't get out of Afghanistan. With them coming to Hamilton and other parts of New Zealand, have MIQ places been found for them? Because right now we've got a journalist in and a pregnant journalist overseas you probably saw Charlotte Bellis and she can't get into MIQ because of the debacle that's going on in that particular organisation. Have you got MIQ places for these people that are coming in? Um, I don't actually... I'm presuming that they have to have MIQ, but the government made a commitment to bring, I think, up to 1,500 Afghani citizens to New Zealand because they had been helping the New Zealand Defence Force over in Afghanistan. At and risk. as a result of that, they were at risk 
staying there without any government protection from New Zealand. Yep. And so the New Zealand government decided to bring them here as long, and the same happened with Australia and America, yep. to get people who helped their troops get them out. So I'm presuming that, yes, they do go through my kids because I understand everyone has to go through my kids, but yep. I don't know that for a fact. Yep. What I do know is that the people go to the refugee centre in Mangere and are acclimatised into New Zealand society and talked about what, what to expect, yep. etc. And then they stay there until the government can find them housing. And that's the biggest problem. The former evacuees, and they're not refugees, they're not, they are called evacuees and they're not part of the refugee quota, they are coming to Auckland, Hamilton, Palmerston North, Wellington and Christchurch. Yep. And as I said, we're, we're expecting up to 34 families, depending on when they can come and when the housing is available. And and when they can get out of the country and get away from the Taliban. Um, and of course with Charlotte Bellis too, her, her life is in danger because she's an she is a pregnant, unmarried woman, and that goes against yes. uh, Islamic law. So um, yes. uh, I heard her on another radio station this morning, and she is in her life is in danger because she's not getting any help from Al Jazeera, who are employed. She's left Al Jazeera, so she her life is in danger. And so are these people who want to come to Hamilton for a new life. Yes, and there are still people over there who want to come to New Zealand, but at the moment they're unable to get out. Rotary International. It's a mature organization, started yes. in the United States of America, a nation yes. which has a reputation for accepting refugees through the course of its whole history, bringing people from so many countries keen to be American citizens, and many are. Is it in that tradition that the local Rotary Club with which you're associated is involving itself in this work? Um, really, it's the fact that we could see that there was a need, and Rotary's job is to, you know, serve us above self. And we saw that there was a need for us to be involved, and there was an opportunity for us to be involved, because who else was going to do it? Normally, with former refugees, the government brings the people here. Red Cross has a contract to look after them and support them in most places in New Zealand. But what the former evacuees, the Waikato Refugee Forum, is looking after the people in Hamilton. Red Cross is providing support to the people. Government's providing the housing and whiteware and furniture. We are working with, we, Rotary, the Rotary Clubs are working with Waikato Refugee Forum to help the people get established in their homes and then they can be helped into employment and whatever, their schooling. Like yeah. One family that came recently has got five children, two of whom will be at high school, two at primary school and one preschooler. So there's opportunities to assist with uniforms through the J.R. McKenzie Youth Education Fund. There's, I mean, luckily... And I, I use that word advisedly, but most of the people coming can speak English, which yep. is why they were working with New Zealand Defence Force in the first place. Then oh. it's only a question of time before you have a Rotarian, a former. Well, one trans. would like to think so, but that's that's 
that would be a nice add-on. I'm, I'm sure they appreciate the support that they're getting. I mean, the people in the Rotary Clubs have been amazing. We, we've put out a call to ask for goods to be donated, and they've got to be, obviously, in as new condition, or new, but, but not. We don't want people's rubbish. Mm. And people are just giving us lots of things because these people have arrived with nothing. Yep. You know, they got on a plane. I mean, this, this family that came the other day, they spoke at Waikato Sunrise Rotary on Friday morning. And the young boy, and I say young, he's 14, he talked about how they went to the airport and they couldn't get out that night. So they had to go back home and try again the next day. Now, putting it like that sounds very, oh, yeah, fine, that's what happened. But you've got to remember, they were in a state of war. So they didn't know when they went home whether they would be able to get back yeah. or not. I, I would love to speak to him on the radio, this young 14-year-old boy. If anything could be arranged through Mel, I'd love to speak to him. Uh, well, I can certainly ask them if they would be interested in doing that. In contacts leading up to now, yeah. Yeah. there's been a reluctance of Afghan citizens who are here to say anything that might be used against family who remain in Afghanistan. Yeah. That's the fear. And that's and I do know that the this family that I'm talking about, they have got a grandmother back in Afghanistan that they would desperately want to get out, but it's very difficult trying to deal with that from here. Yeah. Well, I'm sure that if there are many like you, Patrick Cummings, who are working for the benefit of those who are forced, really, to adopt a new country, a new way of life, it wasn't the plan, I'm sure, then it will be a big help and solace to the refugees yeah. still to come. Yeah. Yes. I've also got to praise um, your thrift shops, um, the shops in Frankton, because my younger brother works voluntarily at uh, your Red Cross shop over in Frankton. So, Mal so, Malcolm, if you're listening at the moment, you've just, been, you've just been praised for giving your time voluntarily to the Red Cross shop over there in Frankton. Oh, thank you very much. It, it's a pleasure. Hey, if we can speak to some of these refugees, hey, you're in a, they're in a safe country. So we 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 would love to speak to this especially this fourteen year old. Okay, I'll make some inquiries and come back to Mel. Yep. And with a decision, but uh, you know, I am aware that it's everything's very new. They've only been here a, a few weeks, but um, you never know that once they've been here a wee while, they might want to talk more. They're they're more concerned about the ramifications of what might happen to others overseas back in Afghanistan. Oh. It's a, it's a terrible time with a terrible regime, etc., etc. I'm just amazed that Charlotte Ballas is still wanting to be there. But. Well, she, she wants to get out. She's got a partner, but uh, she's come up against Islamic law. She, she desperately wants to get out, but it's MIQ here in New Zealand that uh, are preventing her getting out. Yeah, well, I can't comment on that. Because <laughs> we want to go to Australia to visit our kids. <laughs> we don't want to come back and do MIQ, so we'll wait until that lifts, which Pat I'm sure is not going to be that far Hey, we'll, we'll, we'll have to chat about this uh, one other day. Thank you very much. Fine, thank you.
Hardly had Patrick Cummings retired from Red Cross when he plunged himself voluntarily <laughs> into similar measures <clears throat> to ensure the safety and security of people. Thank you, Patrick. It's a pleasure. Hey, Patrick, keep up the good work, mate. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. It's a, it's a pleasure. Yes, Mel, um, I don't know if you heard the interview with Charlotte Bellis this morning on Jim Moore's show, but, um, yeah, she's unmarried. She's got a partner. She hasn't getting any, isn't getting any support from Al Jazeera because of where Al Jazeera is uh, operating from, and she wants to come home. And um, hopefully, well, MIQ and this country will get their act together. Hey, I saw our, our friend JD just outside the window a couple of minutes ago. There will be some news about railways, no doubt, and Dwayne Porter, which will join us shortly. Cars regularly get stolen. It's a risk for owners whose homes are in multi-storey apartment blocks with restricted parking. They are particularly prone. In those more densely populated parts of a city, owners need to park their cars wherever they can find space on a street, even out of sight, nowhere near the owner. There's another risk factor. The kind of car it is, the make, the year of manufacture. Duane is... Our expert on such things. Yep, and I've been told this week that kids are stealing cars around the city and they've been interfering with a few on Hood Street. We talk trains next. Now, this here's a story about the Rock Island Line. Now, the Rock Island Line, she runs down into New Orleans. And just outside of New Orleans, there's a big toll gate. Uh, and all me. the trains... Uh, pardon me, just a moment. Uh, pardon me. Yeah. Are you going to sing the song well, or read it or what? Well, I'm going to sing it, but first I always tell a little of the story behind the Rock Island Line. Sort uh-huh. of sketch in a little bit of background, as it were. You are going to oh, sing, yeah, though. I, in just a second. I, I get to it. Well, let's get to it then, huh? Okay, and all the trains that go to the toll gate, why, they, they got to pay the man some money. But of course, if you've got certain things on board, you're okay. You don't have to pay the man out. I mean, you're okay. You're okay with him. I mean, you've All got right, let's step I mean, right along here. Let's go. snap it up. Okay. Now, just now we see a train. She's coming down the line. And when she comes up to the toll gate, the driver, he shouts down to the man. He says, I got pigs. I got horses. I got cows. Look, you can I skip got... all of that. You know, let me name all the animals. Yes, I know, but we don't need you know, let that. Let me get to the sheep. Well, that doesn't make any difference. Well, it makes a difference to the sheep. Yes, I know, but let's get the train I rhythm mean, going here. Uh, Never mind the sheep. Okay, after the driver, you see, I got all livestock, I got all livestock, I got all livestock. Good man, say, well, you're all right, boy. You go around through, you have to pay me nothing. I mean, you know, uh, look, okay. fella, uh, fella, I didn't mention look, the look, sheep. I know, but let's skip the recitation, huh? Okay, but... Let's uh, get to the meat of it. Okay, I've come to the best part now. What did the driver fool him? He fool him? Yeah, I say, I fooled you, I fooled you. Well, look, let's, let's just sing the song. Well, you know, when we get to the pig iron part, just that's the payoff. Just sing the song. The, uh, I think you ought to let me tell how, the, how you fooled the toge man with a pig iron. Will you just sing the song, get please? get a big, big reaction to it in clubs, and a lot of people waiting to see how the story Will you just sing the song? Well, you're going to disappoint him, that's all. I'll take the chance. Okay, here we go. You sure you don't want the pig iron part? Uh, forget it, will you? Forget it. Okay. Little line, here's a line to write. Oh, the rock a little line, here's a mighty good road. But if you want to write it, got to write it like you find it. Got the ticket at state and for the rock a little line. Look, Mumbles. Hey, hey Mumbles. What is this? Get your chicken no, at the station? Ticket. Get your ticket at the station. Oh, get your ticket. Gee, at was, the uh, try not to interrupt me, huh? A, B, C, W, X, Y, Z. 
Wait a minute, wait a minute. Another rock on wait, wait, wait a minute. Again. The ABCWXYZ with the cats in the cupboard. I, yeah, I, I, I don't know. What has the ABC got to do with the cats in the cupboard? I yeah, what's it got to do with it? It's I know. Just, is it a social significance no, no, of some no, kind? No, it's it's just a difference of something? Traditional lyric. It's yeah. a, it's, it's a t- traditional I don't know, lyric. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, well uh, thanks very much. That, that'll be fine. I got one more course. Uh, one more. Here's a mighty good road. rock on the line. Here's a round and right Is that it? That's the end? Yeah, that's it. I hope. I just hope it sells without the pig iron well, part. Well, forget that's about all. the pig yeah. iron well, part. I'm just I, trying I to sketch in with a background. Mm, that's yes, all. Yes, you know. I know. Sketch in the background. You're going you're gonna to release the record? No, I don't think so. Okay. Okay. Yeah, that just happens to be the late Stan Freeberg and his version of the Rock Island line. Yeah. JD liked that, didn't you? <laughs> you heard that song before? Oh, that'll be one you'll be picking up anyway. It was a big hit also for Lonnie Donegan. Tahuya, what's the latest, my friend? So, recently I actually went on the ride of Tahuya. It was very comfortable, very professional. The staff were very friendly. So, um, I think the service will really boost up. Um, you know, the food was really nice, professionally made, and um, I, had, I really enjoyed it. I went up twice. Good on you, mate. Did you get a meal on the, on the train? Yes, I did. It was very nice. What did you what, what did you eat? What did you have on the day? Hot chocolate and some chocolate bars. Now, now you're making me very, very hungry because I haven't had breakfast yet. So uh, the hot chocolate and the and the chocolate bars and oh, so how many hours were you away out of Hamilton? Um, I think it was about maybe two hours because mm-hmm. it was only the afternoon run, just up there, maybe five ten minutes in the Scranton station, then we came back. So, so you went into the big smoke? Hmm? Big, did you get into central Auckland? No, we didn't get into central Auckland. Yeah, well, yeah. it wasn't quite really central Auckland. It was kind of just out of Auckland. Hmm. So the reason why I say this is because the new station called Bradomart, we're not allowed to take diesel engines inside because it's underground. And plus, Bradomart's more in the central of Auckland. That's why it was built. And the Scrum station was quite far away from the centre and people didn't really want to... Walk. Yep. Yeah, I know. It's it's it, it's Auckland's becoming a bit of a ghost town too, isn't it? Did you see many people on the streets in Auckland? Well, I didn't. Well, we didn't really leave the station. We were just sitting at the station, really, mm-hmm. because um, if we wanted to go and walk about, then the train would just leave us. Fair, fair enough. So you've had a good day, and um, they may name a carriage after you yet. Was that again? They, yeah, they may name a carriage after you. Oh, no, they won't. And they won't. How's school going? You're back at school this week, aren't you? Yes. You're looking forward to it? No. Are you, are you, are you worried as a young man with COVID-19 around? Have you been given messages from your school um, on what to bring? Um, I don't think so that they've sent anything... And no, I'm not really someone who's too scared about COVID. So, but um, you, you, yeah, it's going to be interesting when you, you, we'll have to get you back in here and talk about your first days of school under COVID, won't you? will come back and have a chat about that with us. Yes, Miss Hey, thank you, my friend. And um, yesterday's trip to... Tikwati. Tikwati.
how to go, how did old Tikiwiti go? So Tikiwiti, the Glumbrook Vintage Excursion Run was very pleasurable, yeah. and um, of course the staff were always friendly, as they always are on all their excursions. They ran to Tikiwiti, and then they turned the engine on the turntable, and then came back to the station, and I was given the opportunity to actually ride back in the train, oh. thanks to a friend of mine by the name of Mike A. I've been there, done that on a, on a previous train up uh, to Helensville in Auckland. I, I rode I rode in the, with the driver. It, it's, it's great fun. Bit noisy, but uh, you get past that. Yes, but I... Got the Cinder character. It was still a nice ride. The, the evening sunset was quite nice. Um, just sitting in an old 1960s coach, just yep. riding along the NIMT. Well, Tikiwiti, of course, the home of the late Sir Colin Meads. Did you see the Did you see the statue of Sir Colin Meads in Tikiwiti? No. But uh, you came home, and what's your next train trip? Next train trip? Well, I heard they're doing a new excursion in March. A, I think, sorry if I'm wrong, 17-day excursion around the North Island, and I definitely won't be going on that. That's that's for all the insane wrong fans you'll have there. you'll You'll have to talk to your family members about this. Definitely. You will. Hey, JD, it's great to see you again. And uh, when you start school again and you can come back and chat to us on how you're feeling with COVID hanging around and the... And the new and the new era yes. of of a kid under COVID. It's nineteen minutes to two. Dwayne Porter is coming up next. We're going to have one of those songs that was banned by the BBC, and this is the last of them because uh, next week we're going to move on to something else. We're going to find some strange songs in the library. Going through it this week, Johnny Otis Show. Mahi's making eyes at me. It was released in 1958, and it was banned by the NZBC and Radio New Zealand. Here we go.
FM 89.0, independent community media, and that is uh, the late Johnny Otis. And, of course, Ma, he's making eyes at me. I'm just uh, going through the list of the um, cases. 140 cases of COVID-19 have been reported in the last 24 hours. At the border, there's 787. In the community, there's 710. I can't give you a breakdown on whether it's Delta or Omicron. We'll uh, see on the news tonight. So, um, yes, 140 cases of COVID-19, either Delta or Omicron, in the last 24 hours. It's getting a bit serious, young Dwayne. Yes, it is. Okay, cars. Well, yesterday, well, the other day, I was told that there are kids out there are stealing cars. You agree? Uh, yes. Um, last night, there was about 15 cars got stolen. Um, the police have recovered four. Give us the locations of where they've been taken from. Uh, from uh, around the Hamilton Lake area, Dinsdale, um, and Suburbans around Bader and the hospital. So, very various people of various ages. Um, do the police know if it's male or female who are stealing the cars? Uh, this morning, police arrested four people at the age between 13 and 16. Well, these 13-year-old kids, nothing will happen because uh, the c- police can't touch them. Um, well, they've been charged for it um, after the incident that uh, a car got stolen from Walken. And the car was located in Hamilton. They got spiked in uh, Bombay's, and then again they got spiked in Hamilton. Well, hopefully in Hamilton here they will come up against Judge Cockerella, who is a very tough youth court judge. So I got the statistics yes. um, come through. There's been twenty-two thousand four hundred twenty cars uh, were stolen in twenty twenty. Mm-hmm. Were broken into. Uh, to compare with uh, 30,252 cars in 2019. So, so where do you think, why are these cars being stolen? Is it just a joyride or bored kids out of their brains? Um, yeah, kids take them for a joyride in that. And once the police have done all their uh, fingerprints and jobs and... Uh, most of the owners do get their cars back. Most of them go up for the insurance companies. Well, like, I could see some of these kids too small, but the too young to reach the pedal. So um, what happens there? We don't really know. <laughs> but seriously, folks, t- told the other day that cars were being interfered with on Hill Street opposite Girls High. Kids doing it. The pl- police are told my building manager. So... What what do, what do do you get a car alarm fitted or have the kids or whoever's stealing the cars got a way to get around the car alarms? There's an easy way you can get it. You can actually um, just rip the wire out from the alarm and then it sets the alarm off and then they um, pop the bonnet and then they just disconnect it from the battery. Mm-hmm. So okay. what they do is. is it's just a statistic. There's been five in the um, in between Hamilton and Auckland, which are Mazda Dinos, Subaru Impressors, Subaru Legacies, um, Toyota Acura, 
which is the Toyota Hybrid, in yep. um, Nissan Titos, and mostly some of them, they take them for a draw right and they set fire to them. Yep, and that's when the owner's uh, premiums, insurance premiums go up and... I know a man who just bought a car the other day, and I said, "Just, just, just be careful with it. It's a, it's a second-hand car, but uh, it's, it's, it, it's, it's getting serious. It's, but wh- what do you do? Arrest the parents? Don't know. Arrest the people that are actually stealing them. But I can tell you, like yesterday, um, there was about twenty-two cars got stolen." And police recovered um, 15. And there's nine outstanding. Ah, uh, yeah, I'm. Yeah, thank you, Dwayne. Hope, hopefully, over the next few weeks, you'll keep us up to date with what's going on. There are two new cases of COVID 19 in Wellington, and a person has died with COVID in Auckland. Um, there is 22 locations of interest, including four flights. The one case in the Hutt Valley has linked to an event in Auckland and one case, Capital and Coast District Health Board, is already in isolation as linked with existing case. Early in the day, we told you that Jacinda Ardern and the Governor-General are in um, isolation. And a further positive uh, wastewater test has been detected in Porirua. The Ministry is urging anyone who lives in Porirua and Wellington's northern suburbs to get tested if they feel unwell with covid 19 um, symptoms. Another interesting place is an intercity bus trip from on Friday from Napier to Wellington and has also been named as a high risk location of interest. So we'll all see it tonight on the news that um, yep and I'm just uh, flicking through the list at the moment we're waiting on trevor at uh, this present uh, moment and yeah there are passengers on 12 flights spanning the length of the country have been asked to self-isolate and test immediately the flights spanning the length of the country were listed on locations of interest at 9 p.m last night the flights took place across the 22 23 and 24 of uh january um, at Sound Splash Festival, attendees were asked to immediately get tested for COVID on 19 as well. Uh, Les Mills Gym in Auckland is also a location of interest. Can't tell you what the if there's any places of interest or the breakdown here in Hamilton. It is nine minutes to two. Stand by. Trevor is next. In When the moon hits your eye like a big pizza pie, that's amore. When the world seems to shine like you've had too much wine, that's amore. Bells will ring, tingle-ling-a-ling, tingle-ling-a-ling, and you'll sing Vita Bella. Hearts will play tippy-tippy-tay, tippy-tippy-tay, like a guitar and 
When the stars make you drool Just like a pastefaz Oh, that's amore When you dance down the street Bringing a bit of Italian into the afternoon with That's Amore, the late great Dean Martin. Uh, maybe it's time for a pizza later this afternoon. Good afternoon, Trevor. How Good are afternoon. You? Oh, well, what I want to talk about today, who gets annoyed with loud mufflers? I do. Uh, me too. This seems every second car goes down Tristan Street has a loud muffler. What I think, there's probably some sort of law against it, but uh, 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 what I think they could go a long way to enforcing it is to make it a condition of warrant of fitness. If you've got a, a modified loud muffler, you don't get a warrant of fitness. Have you Have you got a loud muffler? Uh, no, no, I haven't. <laughs> I've got a large exhaust, but it's a acceptable level of sound. Yeah, no, it's, it's just these people all driving at high speed along Tristram Street. I went down into the CBD last night along Tristram Street, and... If it was either a car or there was a loud motorbike. Motorbikes oh, there's another thing, motorbikes. Because in Australia, 95 decimals is the loudest you can have. Otherwise, it's an instant fine. But, boy, Joe's are more than 95 uh, decimals on those motorbikes. Yeah, of course, they, they roar into BP Tristram along the way too. So yeah, well, this is the thing. They rev and rev and rev it up before they move on. Does it shake your building? Uh, no, I think I'm a bit too far back for that. But yeah. heavy trucks sometimes gives a bit of a shake. And you probably get a bit of a shake with uh, the building on next door. Uh, no, very little really. Uh, what's going on? There was a little bit of the foundations when they're putting the foundations in. Well, another thing, of course, uh, we've been talking about it uh, off and on, this, that the rates of COVID-19 Omicron are, are rising and looking at the Prime Minister now in isolation along with the Governor-General. This is just getting too close to home. Well, yes, it's one of these things. There seems to be no end to it, actually. It's just going on and on and no light at the end of the tunnel. And there's always these different versions coming out, you know, some way with what, what we were before. Of course, there's, of course there's a Omicron variant uh, hanging around too here in New Zealand too. So Yeah, well, they had this big concert in, just out of Hamilton. Yep. People were packed together like sardines, and it was a recipe for disaster. 8,000 were out there, and the 8,000 were asked to isolate and get tested. I was surprised that it was permitted. And people jumping the fence too, and uh, I oh, know oh, I know yeah. that area. I grew up in that area, and uh, it would be easy to jump the fence and down the hill. Hey, we've got to educate our kids just to... We've got a disease, a pandemic in this country. This is this may end up as worse than the flu. Well, yeah, they reckon this strain's not quite as bad as the other, but you can still be hospitalised if you're not vaccinated. Anyway, this is a big problem. Anyway, we'll, we'll see all the details on television throughout the day. Thank you for your input. Thanks to JD, our other guest this afternoon, and uh, hope you enjoyed the show. We've just played Frank Sinatra. Let's go out with Cranky Frankie. <laughs> Good afternoon to you. Have a great Sunday afternoon. Chicago, Chicago, that title in town. Chicago, Chicago, I will show you around. I love it, bet your bottom dollar you lose the blues in Chicago. Chicago, the town that Billy Sunday couldn't shut down. 
State Street, that great street, I just want to say They do things they don't do on Broadway They have the time, the time of their life I saw a man, he danced with his wife in Chicago Chicago, my hometown Chicago, Chicago, that toddling town Chicago, Chicago, I'll show you around I love it, bet your bottom dollar you lose the blues in Chicago Chicago, the town that Billy Sunday could not shut down I just want to say They do things that they never do on Broadway Say They have the time, the time of their life I saw a man and he danced with his wife in Chicago 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 Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com/freefm89 to find out more.